I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to Counseling On Demand. Here's your own private therapist. Anywhere, anytime. Fred Riley. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to today's podcast. Thank you for joining and listening in, as always. Today, we're going to talk about a, a subject that's kind of difficult, and I'm actually going to be talking about uh, a particular case that I've been working with related to trauma and relationship trauma. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how this uh, trauma kind of built up and, and how it's affecting this client today. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because although there's some very unique things about uh, this client and, and her experience, I think that many of us can identify with it. And uh, what I'm trying to highlight here is that, number one, trauma, it's, it's real. It's something that affects us. Um, things that we think shouldn't traumatize us really do, and it continues to affect us in the here and now. So as you reflect on uh, this, this story, this, the highlights of this, this uh, client that I'm seeing, I want you to think about, uh, you know, are you experiencing some of those things? And if you are, are they impacting your life now? And if they are, then what can you do about it? It's time to talk to somebody. One of the big things that we'll talk about is how there's this barrier um, and you're limited by a perspective that's built upon the past. And so this gal you'll see is very limited and kind of falls behind in terms of age-appropriate things and things that she tries to accomplish primarily because of the trauma and the impact that it's had on her. So this gal, she's uh, in her mid-30s right now. She lives alone uh, and works uh, a decent job. You know, she uh, lives uh, actually with a family member downstairs. She's gone to college. Um, That's probably the biggest moment of her life was going to college. Um, Otherwise, pretty socially kind of withdrawn. She's uh, very easily overwhelmed, almost agoraphobic, surprisingly not agoraphobic. So she's getting out of the home. She's going to work and so on and so forth. And she said something interesting to me the other day. She said that other people, as she watches, she says she sees other people handle life and handle their situations so much better than her. And the reality is, as you'll hear her history today, it's quite amazing that she's even doing anything at all. So at the age of 12, uh, this client, her mom was uh, incredibly sick. And I can't remember, uh, but mom was bedridden. So at the age of 12 to the age of 20, okay, this client was responsible. She took responsibility to care for her sick mom. Her mom died at 20, and her mom actually passed away under her care. So from 12 to 20, imagine being that age range, okay, adolescence is gone. You don't have time for the social sphere, so on and so forth. Okay, she is an impromptu nurse. She is giving medications, she's giving baths, she's changing diapers, and just listening, watching, not knowing what to do, and trying to come up with ways to help her mom. And she's doing this during that very uh, difficult time of life. Now, that's a time of life, right, where we're working on identity. And, of course, her identity now 
Uh, we're just barely starting to get to challenge it, but her identity is that her role is to caretake for others unsuccessfully and reevaluate her, her the wrongness of how she does things. Anyway, so she is starting at 12. Uh, dad, she ha- there's a dad's, but dad's not involved. He's severely depressed. He's working. He's kind of avoiding his wife because he doesn't really know what to do. Okay, so she doesn't have support there. The brothers have decided that it's a woman's job. So from 12, she's a woman already, and she's nursing this mom that is just not going to get better for the next 10, 12 years. Okay, so they're out of the picture. Um, And then income, I kind of picture, what is that, Lady and the Tramp, where you have those two cats. Those two cats are evil. The twin Siamese cats, they scare me. I still get kind of the goosebumps right now. You know, they just kind of cause trouble. Well, she has two ants that come in that are like those Siamese cats. And I tell you what, they're not in helping, but they come in just about the time where she feels like she is not able to help mom. And then they come in to confirm it. They come in and they are just nasty. They're just on her about how she's hurting mom, how she's not giving meds at the right time, and just really helping her feel the full weight of mother and caring for mother in a, in, a, in a way of a lot of scrutiny and not support. And then they leave, okay? So in a very confusing way, they come in. She learns that it's others' role to come in and tell her how wrong she is and to not offer help. And, and uh, she needs to do things on her own. She needs to know how to do them. And if she doesn't know how to do them, something's wrong with her. And people have the right to come in and reinforce and judge her for that. Ironically, she comes in to see me because she's in a job now where... What does she have? She has people that judge her. She tries to work really hard, but anybody can come in and scrutinize her at any time, and they don't have to do the same tasks. She's in an environment that really kind of represents how she grew up. Okay, so she's on her own trying to figure these things out. Uh, The adult figures are absent or they intrude, they judge, and, and then they leave again. So a lot of pressure there. Well, her mom passes away. And the way she passes away, just to kind of keep this confidential, I'm not going to share that part because uh, some people might, it might direct the story too much. But mom essentially passes away directly under her care. And because the way that my client worked with her, there's some reasons for her to believe that she caused her mom's death. So here she is, she spent eight, I think it was eight years, 10 years, um, working to help mom, doing everything to care for her. And next thing you know, she's in the hospital, they're trying to revive mom. uh, And she feels like it's in relationship to the one time she did something wrong. Okay, so talk about self-esteem issues, talk about scrutiny, talk about insecurity, so on and so forth. She's doing the best she can. Other people can judge her, not help her. Okay, Um, she starts to pull back. She becomes very socially awkward. She starts to feel very inept. And what she's learning that is in order to come out of her place, in order to go to school and college and come out of that corner, if you will, she has to abide by these all these rules. And when we come back, we'll talk about these rules and how they just captured her and and really made her. Uh, isolated and stuck and how that's impacted her life and then we'll talk a little bit about what we're what kind of work we're doing to help her out now
right, everybody. Welcome back to the second part of this podcast. So we just went through an illustration of this first part, and it was really a light, not very detailed description of this, uh, this young lady and, and what she went through. And hopefully, well, hopefully not, but maybe you can identify with some of those pressures where you're trying to do, growing up, you try to do everything you can to please the adult world. You're trying to be responsible. You're trying to be grown up. Outside, really, the, the uh, limits of your capacity, right? There, she's asked to think like an adult. She's asked to think like a nurse. And she's asked to um, have the dedication and so forth that's well beyond her years. And so maybe you can identify with that a little bit where your role growing up was, uh, well, you maybe didn't have mom or dad there. You were raising siblings yourself. You were scrutinized for the way that you did it. You know, that type of pressure. And of course, you start to soak that up. So I've been working with this this gal for a little while, and she uh, she has what I call Iron Man syndrome. Iron Man syndrome is where you learn. Imagine growing up this way. She learned that movement, thought, all those things are going to be judged, and they're ultimately uh, potentially they can end a life. And so she's very rigid. Okay, she kind of imagined. So Iron Man syndrome is this, or I used to call it Tin Man, but I like Iron Man better. The idea is that she puts on this metal skin. She's very reserved, very rigid. Her movements are very rigid. If she is wondering what you're thinking, she'll move her eyes, but not her head. She has learned to take up such a small space in life that you can physically see it. So what I did with her is uh, there's this idea called a belief window. And a belief window is this idea where you write down the rules of your existence, the window follows you, and you make decisions and so forth based on that. What I did with her, though, is I I actually sat in a corner and I used a very large um, uh, piece of glass that uh, I was really uncomfortable in, actually. And this glass represented my whole view or her whole view. And we wrote down all the rules that she learned through that trauma, that if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. Just when she thinks that she can get uh, some type of recognition, she's selfish. Bad things are going to happen, on and on and on and on. And so ultimately what we decided was, how does she feel safe? And her answer was, the only way for her to feel safe is by always knowing she's unsafe, okay? She used to try to feel safe than aunt one or aunt two or that come in or mom would have symptoms, so on and so forth. So she comes into me and she says, you know, all these people are succeeding. They are doing really well. They handle their, their mental health issues better than I do. They're, you know, I've got cousins, nephews, sisters, brothers. They are making this much money, so on and so forth, right? We're back into comparisons again. And so I said, okay, let's go behind this wall, Okay, so going out and getting a job would be like going past the wall, ignoring all those rules. And what I said to her is I said, it looks like in order for you to progress, you have to break that rule of survival. You have to go out and abandon all of these unsafe beliefs in order to potentially be safe. So you've found a place where you're stuck. The place that you work represents a place that's awful. It's uh, it's pretty unpredictable, it's confusing, but at the same time, it's very familiar. Okay, so this is part of where the trauma has started to play out in her current life. And so as we looked at that, and think about it in, in your life right now, are we starting to, are we replicating, are we continuing to be guided by 
the rules of the past. And so then are we now saying that we're inadequate, saying that we're not capable, and so forth, as if that is for our issue specifically, when in fact the trauma has taught us that it's too risky to go out and grow, too risky to emerge and try to be become who you are. And so that's another, it's kind of a secondary uh, artifact, if you will, of trauma. So what do we do about that? And there's so much to be done, but let's talk about some ideas. And these are going to be ideas of risk, just so you know. And so you might want to do this with a companion or with a therapist that can be there for you and support you. Follow that part of you that says the messages from the past can't be true. Now, how do you know that? You don't know that. Okay, you're going to theorize that it's opposite day. It can't be true. If I am listening to this podcast, if I'm struggling like I have in the past, maybe these thoughts can't be true. Do you know how to challenge them yet? No, but what you're going to do is you're going to say, hey, listen, what if these things aren't true? We're going to consider what it might be like, okay? Inside of you is a side, as a part of you that persists with a promise to you that you will emerge. And I see this time and time again. Those of you that know me, my favorite, well, there's a couple favorite words, but emerge. The idea is you are submerged underwater with all these rules that that say that you take up too much space, that say you're not smart, that you're supposed to do more than you're capable of, all those types of things, okay? I have seen without fail 100% of the time that we all have something inside of us that persists as a promise that one day we can emerge out of the trauma. We can emerge out of that corner. Now, is that hard to believe? Absolutely, because you've been taught that all parts of you that are good are actually bad. So, a couple things so far. Follow that part of you that says these messages may not be true, and then also do some work hopefully with a professional that says, okay, how have I gotten to this point? The depression, the anxiety, the PTSD symptoms you have, as, as terrible as they are, they're actually evidence. They're evidence that you're experiencing them because something inside of you persists until you can find that part. You're not going to experience those symptoms if you haven't persisted. You wouldn't even be here. So this gal, she's in a place where we're going to break through or really close. She continues to persist and now she's getting ready for a breakthrough. She paused and, and she started to connect that, hey, you know what? This is more of those Siamese cats and so forth intruding in my life. And you know what? Maybe I'm thinking about this now because there's a part of me that persists. So, you know, as you review for you and maybe some others that you know, hey, there's trauma, it's real, those rules have greatly impacted you, the judgments, the messages have greatly impacted you, and maybe led you to continue to believe that you're insufficient, you're not good enough. What I'm telling you is to go seek trusted, confidential help where you can say, okay, help me find this part of me that can argue that these messages aren't true, and help me find this, the answer to why I've persisted, what has allowed me to go to this point in time in my life. From there, we can start to launch, we can emerge. From there, we can dare to do the things that we wouldn't dare to do before. I am Fred Riley. Hey, thank you for listening to this podcast. We have podcasts every week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find me online at gettingbackthenumber2life.com. Thank you.